your girl Chanel. Welcome to episode 21 of Candy Talk with Chanel. Finally over the 20 hump. <laughs> um, hopefully you're all staying safe out there. I decided for the next few episodes I will start each one off with a song that is encouraging and that speaks to the times or with a song that speaks to whatever the subject matter is going to be for the episode. Gotta give a shout out. This is my brother. Um, his name is Legs. <laughs> his his artist name. <laughs> um, and this was off of his EP he put out in 2012. It's called Laid Back Movement Presents Legs, spelled L-E-G-Z. And it's entitled I'm Talking to You. That's my favorite song off of this EP, which is called He's Watching. With all going on with the coronavirus pandemic, um... If I'm comforted in knowing I'm a God-fearing woman. Y'all know that by now. I'm a Christian woman. I'm comforted in knowing that Jesus is watching and he is, he, he knows all and he's protecting us. Um, so I wanted to show my brother some love. My brother did produce, he produces all of his albums and EPs. He produced my EP, my mother's albums, other artists' EPs. And um, that second verse was him rapping. So with this particular song, it was featuring... Let me see. Uh, God Surgeon and Walt Runcy. Um, so I want to show some love. It's on iTunes. So go get that. Once again, Laid Back Movement presents Legs, spelled L-E-G-Z. Entitled, the album is called I'm Talking to You and the song is He's Watching. So uh, that's one of my favorites that my brother has ever done as far as his own his own music. Um, my brother's a producer out here, y'all. He's pretty nice. I did a YouTube video that I uploaded yesterday. It was a story time one, um, talking about how I found my musical aesthetic uh, from young. And then just one of the stories I included was that my brother, for some reason, his music always caught the attention of reputable people in the music business. 
and he's a super humble dude that would never really put that out there like that. But um, I'm proud, A, that I'm his sister, and I'm proud, B, to work with him musically. I do feel like we have a great chemistry and synergy, and I've seen him from the time he was a teenager, you know, work at wall bombs, and he would put all his money into beat machines <laughs> and CDs. And so he's always had this passion, and he's always worked hard at it up until this day. And I know for him... Um, he, even though he was well aware that it wasn't for him to be entrenched in the music business to the degree of like the evil side of it and working with a lot of big time artists, I think he still felt good to know that even from some of the musical geniuses in the business, his music was respected. Check out that YouTube video I did. It's on my YouTube channel, which is Complexed Simplicity. Um... So yes, I'm back on. Um, I just uploaded episode 20, which talks about, you know, the dangers of social media and how it can affect our mental health. And I'm like, you know what? It's only 1.36 in the morning. I'm not going to get tired till about six or seven, bang out another episode. And for some reason, and just, you know, I'm always on YouTube, me watching different YouTubers and watching reality TV, <laughs> I, and even watching um, Lena Waithe's new show, 20s. How many of y'all are out there watching that? But I found myself enjoying the show and watching it. Um, and tonight's episode, or technically last night's episode, uh, also addressed what I'm about to talk about. And this is probably more targeted to people of color. Um specifically black folks, <laughs> African Americans, and how in the work world there I feel like there's that temptation to wanna, as I like to call it or refer to it, shuck and jive to move ahead. And for the most part, I spent most of my working years at my last job, which was in the social work world, where I pretty much worked along people of color. So we were the majority as far as staff, administrators, all of that. And so this is one of my first experiences, or maybe my second experience, working in an environment where I am, where I actually am the minority, right? Um, let's keep it real. I mean, as African-American woman, I, I'm well aware of what being the minority feels like, but when you spend 13 years at a particular job where you're the majority and then you, meaning you're working with tons of people who look like you, you know, share your culture in some aspects to working in an environment where you are definitely the minority and there are a lot of cultural differences and, maybe only one other person looks like you. <laughs> you know, it is a very different experience. And sometimes it can be, without you even realizing it, easy to shuck and jive. And when I say that, I mean to either become like a caricature of yourself or play into the stereotypes to get ahead or to kiss ass, <laughs> you know, um, of whoever your superior is uh, that may not share your culture and to kind of 
try to be something you're not, so to speak, to get to where you want to go. And this is a very real thing that I think a lot of us or a majority of us, or maybe even all of us, will be confronted with at some point in our lives. Um, So in watching the episode of 20s, which is Lena Waithe's show, one of the characters, her name slips my mind, but it's the one who works for, I believe it's like a PR firm or some kind of a firm that deals with the entertainment business. She is vying for a job, the same position that her colleague who's a male is vying for. They're both black and they play, they, they, they strategize how they're going to get to this position differently. And so the young lady is, she's great at what she does. She's very intellectual. She's very professional. She's very like bottom line. And that's her approach. The, you know, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to show through my work ethic. I'm the woman for this job. I'm the person for this job. Whereas her male counterpart, he, their boss is of the Caucasian uh, culture, or he's a white guy. And uh, so her counterpart, if anything, is like more so playing the game, which we all know to be like the political game, right? So he's more so playing the game. He's appealing to what the boss likes. You know, he's more so stepping outside of his normal character of who he is. Not that he's doing anything harmful or detrimental, but he's just stepping out of who he really is to please his superior so that he gets the job. To make a long story short, he's the one that ends up getting the job. And of course, you know, um, the young lady was very upset. She was hurt. You know, she worked hard. She put in her blood, sweat, and tears. She has been proving herself within this company for years that she is the person for the job, but this male got it. And so, of course, I'm sure she, many things come through her mind. Like, is it because he's a man and I'm a woman? Is it because, you know, he plays the game and I'm more straightforward and honest and straight up? Like, what is it? And um, it's funny. So her friend, because this show is centered around three friends. Um, one of the other young ladies who's pursuing an acting career and at the same time she teaches yoga, uh, the colleague ends up being in the friend's yoga class. And at the end of the class, he wants to give the friend an opportunity because he's aware he knows the friend group and he's aware that she's trying to get her acting career off the ground. And of course the friend is going to be loyal to her friend, who's his colleague who didn't get the job. And He's like, listen, I just played the game so I could get a seat at the table in essence. Now that I have a seat at the table, oh, I'm about to nat turner it up. Meaning like I'm forcing my agenda. It's going to be pro-black. This is what I'm about to do. And so she was like, so you really shucked and jived. And I nearly fell out because this has been a thought on my mind for the longest that I'll talk about in a minute. And I was like, she used the very same words I was thinking of. She was like, you shucked and jive for this position. And he was like, yeah, you have to play the game to get to where you're trying to go. That's just the smart way. And so we see that is a route that a lot of people take. I've seen in my own working years 
people take this route when you're vying for a position or even if you're not vying for the position when you want to be considered for a position. I've seen people play the political game. You know, you shake enough hands and kiss enough babies so that you get that vote, so to speak. Um, and then I'm probably more along the lines of the young lady where it's like my work should speak for itself. And that's what I battle with at my current job, if I'm being honest. Like, of course, I'm pleasant, I'm warm, I'm calm, I'm professional, I'm easy to work with, but I'm not kissing ass <laughs> to get a promotion, so to speak. You know, when I first started at my company, I was promoted within six weeks of being hired. And I believe that was because of my work ethic, not because I was out here shaking hands and kissing babies, so to speak. You know, I did what was asked of me. I did what was expected of me in some areas. Maybe I superseded what was expected of me, but I did enough for them to see, okay, we have a need for this position to be filled. Let's look from within. Chanel. Um, and so the next promotion that I've been trying to work towards getting, this is a bigger jump. So it's not going to be an easy promotion. Um, and I could easily play the game, chuck and jive, and do all of that. But I, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. For me, I need to, it should be about the work. It should be about the work and about the productivity and about my ability to get the job done as opposed to um, my personality and all of that kind of stuff. But you know, retail is it's business. And in business, sometimes they feel like what will seal the deal and get more money into the business is if you shuck and jive and you have that kind of personality that's, you know, undeniable. I have a, a fellow manager who has that personality and she's been at the job less than I have. She's a step above me as far as management goes. And that works very well for her, her personality, you know, um, and it's getting her attention and recognition that she deserves. Um, I'm, uh, <laughs> it's getting her attention that she does deserve as well as far as she's a great seller. She will sell you a house with no keys. Like she's, she's a finisher. She's a closer, like the late, great Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. Kobe was known for being a closer when it came to basketball, when it came to those playoff games, when it came to major games, you could count on Kobe to close and for y'all to win. He's going to close that game and y'all going to win. That's not an easy thing to do. You could be super talented, but struggle under pressure and not be able to close, right? So I would say with my manager that I'm referring to, she has that great ability to close. We could be having a rough day. You know, she's going to figure out how to get somebody to buy back, <laughs> regardless of whether they return to shit two days later or not. For us to make our goal that day, she's going to figure out how she's going to sell that back, you know? Um, and so she has that ability, right? Um, and she also has that personality. It's the personality that helps to G people. You can game and finesse people to get them to buy into what you're selling. And so in my company, they like to see that. They want to see that you have that kind of personality, you know, um, and it's a gift. To me, it's a true gift. It's not something that you can teach people to have. It's like you either have that kind of personality or you don't. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that I don't have a, a great personality. I do have a great personality. I'm very personable. I've been working with people for years. 
I've been in the hard, hard, tough, tough world of social work for years. So yes, I do have um, great personality. Will I say that I have the kind of personality that can sell you a house with no keys? Not quite. Um, not quite. What works for me where I'm able to make my goals and able to um, pretty much do what is asked of me to do, I think is because I am a hard worker. I learn fast. I do know how to work with people. And because I'm more laid back, I'm not pushing you. I'm not prodding you. I'm not all in your face when you come in my store. Whatever reasons my approach works because I still make my sales goals, right? Um, <laughs> but I recognize that I, I would be, I believe I would be a great store manager when the time is right because I know how to lead people. Um, I've learned a lot on how to lead people. I believe that I have the ability to see the bigger picture, which is necessary in leading a team. I believe that I have a personality that knows how to work with a lot of different personalities. I feel that I have the professionalism that is important when leading a team. So I feel like my strengths um, are would be pretty strong in the management sense, so to speak. There's still things for me to learn, don't get me wrong. But I do feel like I have the ability to work under pressure and things of that nature. And I would really be able to develop my staff. I'm very passionate about that. Developing, helping people to develop professionally. Um, as well as being able to teach the nature of the job, as well as being able to just overall show up and do what it is you're supposed to do. Whereas my um, manager, who's like a step above me, she, you know, we have different we have different strengths. You know what I'm saying? Um, not saying whose strengths are better, whose strengths are worse, or anything of that nature. We, I believe, our strengths lie in different areas, and we also have a big age difference. I'm 36 years old. I'll be 37, Lord willing. She just turned, she'll be 25. She'll be 24 this year. 24? Either 24 or 25. So just even in the grander scheme of life and all the other things that's necessary, she has a lot to learn as far as experiences go and things of that nature. So we just have different skill sets and different experiences. You know, we do see the world differently. You know, um, we have culture, different cultural backgrounds, which help to shape how we see things. And so one is not better than the other. We just have different skill sets. And so um, what was my whole point in this? Oh, so it's, for me, I'm not going to be the one to shuck and jive, right? It's like my work should speak for itself. God's in control of any upcoming promotion. Whatever's for me is for me. That's always my outlook. That's always been my outlook. Um, I just use my other form, my other manager as an example as far as she has that personality type that our company loves. They like that. You know, even if you're not as strong in other areas that are important, it's almost as if that'll be overlooked because you have that personality and you can sell. Um, and so in the real, in the retail luxury world, you know, it, it, it has taught me that that is a real thing. I've known it from before, but I, I really understand and see it now. And when I think of reality stars, you know, playing into that caricature, playing into that angry black woman role, playing into that ghetto role of we always arguing and we can't get along as black women. I feel like a lot of what we see is shucking and driving for money, right? Because this is what's going to help me to stay on the Real Housewives of Atlanta, right? I'm Nene Leakes, honey. I'm the OG. 
I've been here. Ain't nobody taking my place. My contract needs to be renewed. So I'm going to always deliver, right? Or I'm Kenya Moore. I'm going to read you down to the ground. And even if it means that I do some things that are real distasteful and just overall effed up, I'm still going to argue. I may not stoop to the level of physically fighting somebody, but I'm going to argue you, argue with you. I'm going to call you all kinds of uh, horrible names that are outside of what I should be calling you. Because guess what? I have a job to keep. I now have a daughter to, to feed and to clothe and to house. And so I will do some level of shucking and jiving to keep my job. We see this with the love and hip hops. Their storylines are the most ridiculous from every franchise. I feel like from every franchise. Okay, what could our storyline be? What is something that somewhat did happen in my real life that I could capitalize on that I can expose? Yeah, you know, it feeds into the stereotype of people of color or it feeds into the stereotype of just women in general or it feeds into the stereotype of men in general or it feeds into the stereotype of members of the LGBTQ community in general. But guess what? I don't care. I'm a shucking jive. Why? Because I'm getting a coin and I need this money. And so it's a lot of selling out. This is why when I talk about the industry as a whole and me no longer wanting to pursue a level of success that's super high where you're noticed and you're known and you're seen and all that kind of stuff and you're wealthy, is because that it you have to sell out to get to that point. There is no, um, I could still have my morals and values intact and I won't become a caricature of myself or I won't have to get butt ass bucking naked on camera um, to get this role or I won't have to, you know, be, sleep with this person or I won't have to do this or sacrifice that. Like you wanna be a part of that club you're selling out. That's the bottom line. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Even if you look at it from a minuscule way, a smaller perspective, let's say me. Y'all know I sing, I love to sing, work on music, working on music, worked on music in the past. So let's say that I actually am out here, which I don't want a record deal, put that out there. I enjoy being an independent artist. I do not want a record deal. But let's say I did for argument's sake and I'm successful with garnering enough attention to get one, where I have labels coming at me. We see what you've been doing, grinding on your own. You know, um, we want for you, you know, we want, we want you to come in. You know, we're considering signing you. It all happens, I get signed, right? Even though from the, before I sign my name on the dotted line, I make it clear the kind of music I'm trying to do, I'm making it clear the kind of artist that I want to be. I'm making it clear how I want my image to be. Once I sign on that dotted line, I no longer have control over those things. In some way, I sold out on a smaller scale, let's say, meaning I'm not a big star. People don't know who I am just yet. I'm just, I'm signed and I'm trying to put a project out, right? And the label is going to help to back me to get my visibility out there, let's say, right? Now, all of a sudden, now I'm being told what songs to sing. I'm being told what producers to work with. I'm being told what my image is going to be, what I need to look like. I'm being told that I need to lose 50 or 30 pounds. I'm being told, like, my life at that point is being dictated. Like, it's a form of selling out, right? 
You guys have the power and the control in these areas because you're funding my project, because you're, you're, you're now getting my visibility increased where the world knows who I am. Now, in order for my music to be played on the radio, somebody's palms are getting greased, right? So in some ways, yes, I sold out. I, I, I literally sold. I sold my control, <laughs> you know, to, to this record label in order for me to be this artist that is known and that is deemed as being successful, which should garner me money and some level of fame, right? So I don't care how you try to look at it or what angle you look at it. It boils down to that, selling out. And getting back to the topic at hand, I feel like it's very easy for a lot of us people of color to do that. Whether we're doing that via reality TV, whether we're doing that with a normal day-to-day job, where we're going against the grain of what our normal value system and character would be, or, or we're going against who we really are, and we're, we're acting as someone else for the gain and the betterment of our careers, or whether we're relinquishing the natural control that we should have over certain areas of our lives for that dollar. It's shucking and jiving in my perspective. And like I said, it's a very real thing. That's why I try to stay far away, even on a normal day-to-day life, even within my own company or whatever. My, I try to stay far away from that kind of a situation because sometimes, like I said, people do strange things for some change. You'd be surprised the decisions you can make when a dollar is attached to it. When a, when a dollar and a fantasy is attached to this dream or this thing or this position or this opportunity that you have always wanted in life, you'll be surprised what you'll do in that moment. I don't think any of us could sit here with certainty and be like, I would never, never say never. Because you'd be surprised what you would do. My husband always says, everybody has a price. And you know what? I kind of agree with that statement. Everybody has a price. My price may be a little higher than yours, but everybody has a price. And in knowing that, that's that human side the Bible refers to. That's that old nature. That's that side of us that's not probably well in touch with with Jesus, right? We all have that side where you'd be surprised what you do. You'd be surprised what you do. Temptation is a real thing and it comes in the form of our hopes and dreams and all the things we've ever wanted in life. And that's what's scary. Super scary. So if we are easily blinded by shiny things and money and attention and love and power and fame, ego, then all the things that are detrimental to us will look like everything we've always wanted. And the devil will be just sitting there, standing there, laughing his way like, yep, I got another one. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's real. (laughs) And so when I see it happening all the time, it's so disheartening. (laughs) You know, but like I said, I understand everything. 
you never know until you're in those situations. So me personally, I try to stay far away from those kinds of realms and things. Another reason why I'm big on creating my own content and controlling my own content because, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. You know, I'll be honest. A part of me is like, I love podcast. I love this whole podcasting thing. I love podding. It's super fun. It's easy. It comes naturally to me. I also believe I have the skill sets to do great interviews. Like, I love it all. And a part of me, you know, is like, what if this was something I could do full time, right? But at that point, you definitely need some kind of sponsorships. You definitely need... Um, or you need a big machine like backing you as far as paying you. Like we all have to survive, right? Bringing a little one into this world, like money is necessary, right? But then I'm like, but I wouldn't want to be put in a situation where I no longer have control about my content, what I talk about, yada, yada, yada. Like if I were to get a call tomorrow about, let's say Spotify was like, hey, we want to like pick you up to where you're directly only, your podcast is only being heard through Spotify and we're going to pay you, let's say they tell me we, we'll pay you $90,000 a year. Um, this is the deal that we have on the table. Like as exciting and amazing as that sounds, where I'm like, shoot, that's I could work remotely from home. I could have my baby on my boob breastfeeding him and doing a podcast like that's an amazing thought to have right that's great money you know but then I'm like what's the fine print what control am I relinquishing (laughs) what is the fine print on how y'all want me to sell my soul whether it's in a small way or a large way you know my mind will always go to that you know um I would really have to be like god you're gonna have to like you're going to have to make it clear that this is something I should be doing or this is something I shouldn't be doing. And like, it's crazy, but that's to the point where it is with me, you know, where I'm like, you know, what would have been a no brainer for me a year ago, two years ago. Now I'm almost like, "Mm." (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like it's real. That's how real it is. Like I, I don't want any parts of the shucking and the jiving and say and selling my soul like I want no parts of any of that it's not you cannot put a dollar amount on my peace of mind you know um and my control over my own situation you know and so like I said I always remember the devil will always present to you Something that'll be so detrimental for your life, but it'll always appear as if it's the very thing you need. And it'll always appear as if it is that dream you've been chasing and working hard towards your whole life. So just be careful, I say. I'm not here to tell you what you should do from what you shouldn't do. But what I will say is just be careful. Anytime we are asked to be caricatures of ourselves or we are asked to kind of go against what our normal grain of values would be and morals would be. Think wisely, choose wisely, you know? Um, Cause it's real, it is real out here. So yeah, you know, it was funny how that was like an ongoing theme of things that I've been watching on TV 
you know, um, recently where it's just like, wow. And I, you know, I do get annoyed when I see my fellow women of color, like just willing to look crazy for the dollar, willing to set us all back. <laughs> Society already thinks black women are angry and we, and that we don't know as a collective how to conduct ourselves and that we're just ghetto and that we're not intelligent and that we can't speak properly. Like they already think that way about us most times. So it's just crazy when it's always put before us on TV, especially with reality TV, you know? Like, I hope the money's worth it for all the people who decide to do that, to take that route, to sell out, so to speak. I hope the money is worth it because at the end of the day, it is a horrible representation of who we are. We are not all the same. You know, um, so yeah, I would love to be able to interview a reality TV star and ask them, like, is this something that you're, that you assume is being asked or expected of you in order for you to keep your job holding that peach, let's say for the Atlanta Housewives, or is this what you're being told to do, you know? Because let's keep it real, like them ladies on a, uh, how, the Real Housewives franchise, all of them, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's Beverly Hills, whether it's New York, whether it's Orange County, whether it's Jersey, I want to say that a lot of these women are making millions of dollars. Like when you add up, they get paid per episode. So whether, whether they're filmed being on another housewife's cell phone doing a FaceTime moment the person that's actually not physically where the cameras are, but they're the ones on FaceTime on the phone, they're still getting paid. Every episode that they're in, they get paid. And of course, everybody has different contracts that are negotiated with the network and lawyers and all that. But it's like, they get paid a lot of money, a lot of money. And this the ones that have been on for season after season after season after season, hitting 10 seasons, hitting seven seasons, hitting nine seasons, they're millionaires off of their participation in the in the show alone. Excuse me. So it's a lot of money that these ladies are making. Even when I think of Black Ink Crew. Black Ink Crew New York. Crazy thing is, when they're not filming... Try going to Harlem and going to this tattoo shop. That shop ain't even open. That tells you they're making money. <laughs> they only open that shop when they're filming. And they are another ones. They're another one shucking and jiving, falling into the stereotypes, portraying stereotypical people of color, you know, acting out, fighting, drinking, drugging, sexing, typical stuff. And... I'm pretty sure by now, the ones that have been continuously on the show from the start of it till now are millionaires. Like, it's crazy. And to think that we have educators who are doing a selfless kind of job, a difficult job, they're helping to groom the future of tomorrow, or at least to teach the future of tomorrow. And to think that after they slave away for 30 plus years in the classroom, the most that they're making. I don't even know if they're even making 200000 
But you got reality TV stars who are just out here for pure entertainment, doing shit for laughs and giggles, making millions of dollars in less than 30 years. Making millions of dollars within three years, two years, five years. It's so crazy. My husband and I talk about this all the time. Even when I think of athletes, the basketball players, the football players, the baseball players, the hockey players, the soccer players. Now, granted, talented as hell, but their job is to entertain. Why is it that when your job is to entertain, you make way more money than doctors and lawyers and educators and nurses, you know, social workers? (laughs) Why is it that people in the social work world don't make any money, but they're the ones trying to help put all the pieces back together with broken families? It's crazy to me. But if you could throw a ball, right? If you could act a fool on TV, right? You're a millionaire in time, you know, in a fast amount of time. It's just how ass backwards the world is. So backwards. It baffles my mind. (laughs) Why is it? in comparing the two industries I've worked in. And I let's not get anything twisted. I talk about the entertainment industry being evil. The industry I work in is just, is just as evil. The industry that I work in is all about the money. Retail, that's business. It's all about the money. It's all about the numbers, right? That's what comes first. Not my, um, let me not even go that far because I still need my job, but I'll leave it there. That's what comes first. And so I'm aware of even how my industry intertangles with the entertainment industry. I'm aware my eyes are open, you know? So let's not get anything twisted. The industry I'm in is just as dark. Um, but I, I see the differences. Why is it that in my job, and like I think I said in a podcast episode, two episodes ago, maybe three episodes ago, at my job, when we make our goals as a team, as a store, when we hit... If they give us a baseline, like, okay, this month we need y'all to make, I, I'm, I'm in a small, my store is a smaller store, a lower tier store. We're not like in Manhattan or Madison and Fifth Avenue, Soho, you know, we're in Rockland County, right? Um, so my store, let's say our goal for the month of March was 40 grand. We needed to pull the baseline of 40 grand. Okay. Now, let's say that we did, instead of the 40 grand, let's say we did 44 grand. That means we're all getting bonuses. That means as a team, we pulled together, we sold enough product to make 44 grand, even though our base was 40. So that means depending on our positions, because depending on your position depends on your bonus, the number, the dollar number you get. Why is it that it's so much easier me working my job now for me to make an extra $500 in my check, extra $400 in my check. Then when I was working with kids and families doing meaningful work and would never, would I probably only saw one or two bonuses in my 13 years at my last job. Why is it that there were years where we never got our incremental increase, salary increase we were supposed to get? Like, Do you see how ass backwards that is? 
I'm selling handbags. And when we supersede our goal, my paycheck can be after taxes. I'm not even talking about before taxes. After taxes, my paycheck is almost 500 more than what I normally would bring home, right? Versus doing work that actually means shit in life. You're, you're, you're helping families and children and I can't even damn near get my salary increase that I was supposed to get. That's how backwards the world is. Things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And so I just have one of those personalities. I, I will struggle with shucking and jiving for a dollar, you know? I've never chased the dollar. And I used to have this conversation with my husband when we were just dating. Because that's where he and I were a little bit different. And it could also be because we're different gender. Right? Different genders. So I think men are prone to be the hunters. Not even just with women and hunting a woman. And court, you know, going after her to like court her and things of that nature. Men are also hunters, I think, in the sense of providing. Right? Regardless of whether they have a family to provide for or not, I would say in most men's nature, it's to go out there and go get that bag, go get that money. And that is definitely um, a mentality that my husband has. Meaning, I'm getting that overtime. I'm getting that bag. I'm getting that money. And it's for great intentions. You know, he has a wife. He has a soon-to-be 18-year-old son. He has a soon-to-be newborn son. I get it. Go, you know, I'm going to get that money. I'm not going to just let that money sit on the table. Whereas I'm more like, I'm not chasing a dollar. I'm about being where it is I'm supposed to be in life, right? So two totally different outlooks where it's like, okay, As much as I don't want to be at this job, meaning my former job in social work, as much as I don't want to be at this job, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. So this is where I am. Granted, I'm struggling because I ain't getting paid a whole lot of money. (laughs) Right? Bills go up every year. My salary doesn't increase every year. So eh, the struggle continues, you know? Um, (laughs) And so I'll be honest, in me being in the re- the luxury retail world now and seeing that, oh, there's potential money that's on this table. <laughs> there is money to be got, so to speak. You know, I'm not I'm still not in love with money because, you know, I believe the Bible says the love of all money is the root. The love of money is the root of all evil. Right. So I'm not in love with money. I've struggled enough in my life being on my own to know how to take care of myself. I always say I know how to survive. If I were to lose it all tomorrow, I'll be able to figure out how to survive. But at the same time, because my work ethic is, all right, so I have to contribute. I'm expected to sell 12000 this month. All right. Chanel, you got to sell 12000 this month. You know? <laughs> you know, and my goal is always to hit my goal. You know, um, A, because I want to keep my job. B, because... 
it's in my nature to have that strong work ethic. Like I always want to know that I'm contributing and I'm not falling short. But I also know, and, and also being one of the managers and motivating the rest of the team, like we gotta, we gotta make this goal. I know what the pot of, I know what the pot of gold is at the end of the rainbow, right? I know that I have the propensity to make good money. <laughs> and now I'm at a place where I could appreciate it. At the same time, I'm not going to rob, steal, cheat, and kill for it. You know what I'm saying? If it means, Chanel, if you do your job and you motivate as a, as one of the managers, you help motivate the team to do their job and everybody for us to get this, make these goals, then we get to the money. I'm all right with that. But I'm not going to like sacrifice it all and sacrifice my well-being, you know, and, and go against the grain of who I am and sell out to get the money. That's that's the difference. Not saying that my husband's going to sell out to get the money because no, that's not what he's going to do either. But I will say I, I think males are a little bit more ambitious with getting to the bag. And I feel like women and I could be wrong. I'm not saying all women and all men, but just from what I see, men seem to be statistically a little more about getting that money. They don't have to love their job. They don't have to feel like they're at a, in a career that they were meant to be in. It's like, oh, oh, that's what I'm about to say. Oh, that's the salary. Oh, all right. And they will get to the money. I feel like us women are more so like, oh, I don't know. This is my purpose. I don't believe this is, this is not my passion. I don't believe this is what I should be doing. I have to be fulfilled with my job. Even if that means I only make 30,000 a year, right? Nothing wrong. Not putting down people who make 30,000 a year. Just a number that came to mind that I threw out there. You know, I think we're more apt to that nurturing side of us, that side of us that we need to feel connected to what we do for a living, which brings me to another point that I didn't think I was going to get to. And I think I've said this in a vlog before, or maybe I've said it in in an episode on this podcast, but I believe that there are two types of people out there. There are those of us who are defined by our careers and those of us who are not. And I've had to ask myself, where do I fall with that, right? And I realize I am not defined by my career, regardless of whether it is one of my passions. I am not defined by my career. Um, And maybe that's another reason why. I don't know that I don't. I don't know where I was trying to go with that thought, but I'm not defined by my career. So I'm the kind of person I understand the reality of life as well. Right. Meaning. It was meant for me to be in social work for those 13 years because I think it was molding me and helping me to get certain life skills, learning about myself and learning about people further and really genuinely helping people. That was ultimately going to assist me with where I am now. And I believe where I am now is going to assist me with where the next step is. And then all the other complex simplicity, move with finesse and all this kind of stuff in between, I feel like. That all is a part of my purpose, right? However, I I understood that in order for me to be able to take care of myself, because I was I moved out of my parents' house when I was 23 years old, in order for me to be able to step out on my own, that requires stable income. It requires residual 
income. It requires income you can count on consistently. And the realist in me recognizes that. (laughs) The realist in me also understood that it would have been better for my growth and progression within myself to work a job that I wasn't in love with, but to get the life skills that I needed, if that makes sense. Like if I worked a job that I was absolutely in love with straight out of college, but it didn't afford me the ability to move out of my parents' house until this day, I don't, I think my growth would still be stifled. I don't think that I still would feel 100% fulfilled, right? But maybe this is my perspective because my career doesn't and has never defined who I am. When I say that complex simplicity is me, it is me, meaning it is a brand that I built that is based off of my thoughts, feelings, perspectives, opinions, and interests. So yes, it's me sharing me with the public in a way. However, I still don't feel like Like if I decided to stop and to no longer do this podcast and to no longer do the whole complex with simplicity and to no longer do any of that, I still wouldn't feel like a part of me was missing because it, even though it is me, if it makes sense, it doesn't define me. Hard to explain. I know what I'm thinking in my head, but (laughs) Um, so I knew, yes, social work didn't define me. Right, I have a degree in psychology, my love is psychology, but I knew that these things don't define who I am. Um, I feel like it's naturally just how God made me to be that helps to define who I am. My, my life experiences that helps to define who I am. I don't just say my job or my career is who I am. Um, and so I believe that even if I straight out of college had the dream job, the passion job, the job that I'm like, this is, this is it. But it didn't afford me to be able to, um, let's say, move out of my family's home or things of that nature. I don't, I still don't think that I would feel fulfilled because those are life skills that are necessary that I'm still not getting. Yeah, I'm in a job that I want to be in, but I'm still stuck in another area of my life. So for me, I understood, Chanel, you'll get to that point of getting to the job that you love and you're passionate about. And you'll get to the point where your passion job and that bag, meaning the money that you'll make from that passion job, will get, will align and it'll be that ultimate dream job at some point. Even then, it is it will not define me. It will not be the only way that I identify who I am as a person, as a woman, as a soon-to-be mother, as a wife, as a daughter, as a cousin, as a friend, as an auntie, as a godmommy. My job is not going to... There's so many layers to who I am. My job, it's not going to define that. But that's just me. And I'm not looking down or downing anyone who feels like their jobs and their careers define them. Um... A lot of times I feel like when I speak my truth, other people get offended. My disclaimer, I feel like I'm always putting out there is this. My truth is not to defend you. Defend you. My truth is not to offend you. Um, My truth is just that. My truth, my perspective, 
my opinion. And so if you feel strongly against what I'm saying, that is your human right and that is okay. Please do not allow what I am saying, as far as my truth, to make you feel less than or offended. It's okay, we can have a difference of opinion. Because I promise you, your truth ain't going to make me feel offended. Because <laughs> I'm firm in mine. <laughs> um, so if you do feel like you, you feel like your career sums up a lot of who you are as a person, okay. Um, my opinion would be just be careful with that because we're not one-dimensional people. There's so many different sides to us. Like how I am as Chanel the auntie and Chanel the godmommy uh, is different than Chanel the wife. You know what I'm saying? It's how I am as Chanel the employee, Chanel the manager. You know, I'm I'm not a totally different person. I'm who I am, but we're still lending different layers to ourselves depending on the roles that we're in, if that makes sense. You know, how I am with my son is not going to be how I am with my husband, right? Those are two different types of love, right? How I show love to my child, I'm sure, and how I show love to my husband, it's a bit different, different, a different twist, right? I'm still who I am at the same time. I'm not like this one-dimensional person that it's just, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard for me to fully articulate what I'm thinking. But anyway, if you do feel like you are defined by your career, um, okay. I would say still try not to allow... Sometimes we could allow the pursuit of the dream, like the hunt, the fight, the vigor in the pursuit of the dream in a crazy way to hold us back from other things that we need just as much. So I would say if you do feel defined by your career and you're clear on what you want to do and you are not going to compromise that, I respect it. Just still weigh just with the the, the sum of life experiences Um just make sure that in in this um, passionate pursuit for this particular career or this dream, just be careful that you're not holding yourself back from other important things you need in your life. Because I feel like that job is not going to be the end-all, be-all, cure-all for all happiness, all things fulfillment, all things joy, all things growth, and all things necessary for us. I feel like our careers are a piece of the pie. I don't feel like they're the full pie. And so that's why I say be careful in having or allowing what you do for a living to define who you are as a person. Um, but that's just me. So uh, how did I get on this tangent? Jeez. <laughs> This is what happens when you do two podcasts in one night. I will end there because we're almost at that hour mark and I like to keep them under an hour. Um, so yes, just my thoughts. You know, like I said, we all will be confronted at different points of the road in our lives um, with selling out and, and shucking and jiving for that good dollar. I would say just be careful. It's not something that is just... Um, specific to one type of career or industry 
this is something that we all will face, I believe, at some point in our lives. So it doesn't matter what career you're in, what career field you're in. This is something that we all are liable to be confronted with. And I just say, be careful, you know? And for those who choose, like that young man on Lena Wave show, 20s, who's like, listen, I, I do what I have to do to get to where I'm trying to get. And then once I get where I need to be, then I will fully no longer compromise and roll out whatever my agenda is. That is that's some people's legit perspective. I just say, be careful. I'm aware we're humans. Unfortunately, as my husband says, we all do have a price. Just in knowing that, <laughs> please, let's all just be careful out there. Because at the end of the day, like I said, sometimes that getting that salary that we've always wanted may not be worth it in the grander scheme of life. Sometimes getting that job that we think we always wanted may not be even worth it in the grander, bigger picture scheme of life. Um, so let's just be careful. Let's know our boundaries. Let's know our price. <laughs> Meaning, you know, let's know the areas where we're like, ooh, I probably totally would compromise my value system for that dollar amount or for that opportunity. Like, let's just be aware. Let's have that hard conversation with ourselves. Hard conversation. And we ain't got nothing but time being on quarantine. So let's start asking ourselves those kinds of questions. Like, damn, what is my price? What could be... The, that thing that would make me second guess everything that would make me put my values and my morals to the side. Like, what is that thing? What is that thing that could allow us to be so tempted out here that we start making decisions that are just insane? You know, um, let's ask ourselves, how do we define ourselves? What defines who we are? You know? How do we identify who we are? What is that attached to, you know? Let's ask ourselves those hard questions. Y'all know I ask myself these questions all the time. <laughs> Even me just saying, hey, what if I did get an offer? What if my podcast did garner where I got a phone call or I got an email and they're like, hey, we want to give you this opportunity. Like, what are my, like, what would be my price at that point? You know, would I just go for the job? throw reckless caution abandon to the wind and just go for it? Like, what would be, like, what would that temptate? What would that thing be for me? Thanks so much for listening. Please stay safe out there. Stay quarantined. Stay inside. Keep Let's all keep praying for our, one another, ourselves, one another, the nation, our families, our loved ones, our neighbors, people we don't know. Let's pray everyone's safety and sanity, everyone's health, and, um, Thank you for rocking out with me. And like I said, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. Until next time.